Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities, and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday, and enjoy the talk. Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for September 30th, 2018. Koyo Kobose here, so very, very glad you joined us. Nice autumn morning. There's the well-known haiku poem about the maple leaf. The monk was walking on the countryside and saw maple leaf falling down and uh, he, he was uh, he, he saw it falling down so naturally showing this side showing that side it must have touched him deeply because then he went on to document this with a haiku poem Maple leaf showing front, showing back, falling down. And he was struck by the naturalness. Shows the front side, shows the back side. Not like most people. They always, they don't show the back side. <laughs> you make sure your front porch is nice and clean, but you should see the back porch. <laughs> but the monk... He he got he he got short in respect to that leaf uh, for the great teaching that he received about naturalness. Even as a monk, he shows likes to show the front side, not the back side. 
the only reason that this poem and this teaching came down to us from when it occurred to, you know, a few hundred years later is because I think this monk became a teacher. And he had students. And he was so moved by that experience of seeing that maple leaf fall. He probably told his students in his Dharma talks quite a few times about it. It was, maybe it was a watershed moment for him. And this is the way it got preserved and passed on by his students to uh, then to us. Now, <clears throat> that's an, just the everyday occurrence. Huh? There's a in addition to the specific teaching, I think what's equally important is just the the howness of it. How does such a tremendous teaching occur from an everyday life situation experience? You know, it's different than say. <clears throat> A teacher or a speaker or a seeker looking at the doing some reading or listening to a Dharma talk and now that's all fine. But he's just, <clears throat> there's so many everyday moments. Where does the awareness come from? Uh, where does the great listening the the you know there's one of my favorite sayings is great teaching requires great listening. Okay. This is about awareness. Okay. It doesn't mean just listening, but what you're experiencing could be <clears throat> something you see, and then you see the teaching in it. What kind of awareness is that? You have to have a lot of, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, karmic storehouse, <laughs> you know. You see a seed get planted in the garden or just anywhere, and it grows into a beautiful flower or maybe to a vegetable or something. But And we always say, oh, that seed. okay, And we forget about the earth that is falls in that earth is you know is <clears throat> it's in the garden it's cultivated maybe a, maybe it's natural or maybe <clears throat> a gardener planted the seed doesn't matter the seed's important of course but the the field has to Encourage it, foster it, nurture it. Uh, that's like great listening. That's like the awareness mind takes in an everyday event, and that that <clears throat> is a tremendous richness, cultivation of a mind field, <laughs> M-I-N-D. Huh? 
full of compost, full of moisture. And there's a naturalness here, not just in the maple leaf falling down, but in the monk's mind. He's not thinking about the Dharma. He's not looking for the Dharma. He sees this everyday occurrence. And somehow his karmic background is such that he just naturally receives a teaching. It's not like he made the teaching. It happened to him very naturally. We want to have that kind of awareness, that kind of mind-cultivating fertile field so that all kind of bodhi seeds (laughs) can germinate. Well, I want to tell you Introduce you to our guest to give us the Dharma Games today, Wendy Shinyo. She was part of our LM2 group, and she lives in New York. Let's hear from Wendy Shinyo. My Dharma Glimpse today is titled, A Buddha Belongs to the World. It is inspired by a combination of three things. Number one, my connection to what I consider the most inspirational and motivational Buddha image, earth-touching Buddha. And I'll share a blog I wrote about it quite a few years ago. Number two, a recent practicum practice for Bright Dawn Lay Ministers. The practice was toilet gasho. And number three, One Earth Sangha's practice of encouraging Dharma leaders and practitioners to focus on the ecological crisis during the first week of October or Earth Care Week. Of the thousands of images of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas in Buddhist iconography, the most moving and the one most central to my Buddhist refuge is the earth-touching Buddha. The image of a seated Buddha with his fingertip, the fingertips of his right hand gently touching the ground. The ground, the earth, the home of humans, animals, insects, and plants, and the earth's water, the home of the fishes. In Buddhism, the world is not created for our use, nor do humans have dominion over animals. In Buddhism, animals are the same sentient beings as humans. This connects us all in an interdependent chain of existence, of life, of suffering, and of death. And as such, thinking and honoring the earth and its creatures is a deeply spiritual practice. For me, it's not of heaven and earth. It's of earth. Periodically tying that consideration to ecological issues, the preservation of habitat, the protection of wildlife, is an important practice in helping us to feel our interdependence and connection to our natural home and the natural home of millions of living beings. And for me, as I believe is true for many, my connection to nature, to the natural world, is something I feel as I walk through the woods. It's something I feel as I sit under a tree or gaze at a lake or a river. It is also part of my practice. 
just walking out into the backyard and the trees in our vegetable garden with the birds, squirrels, chipmunks, and toads while I pick up my dog's poop can be the best meditation of the day. You know, many live separated from the living earth. In big cities, cities that provide economic opportunities, comforts, and conveniences, they're alienated from nature. It's no wonder to me that the spread of these huge cities and the separation from our true home, the earth, can contribute to mental and physical illnesses and to our feeling of separation from others which I believe has contributed to the pervasiveness of the disease of otherness. You know, in the U.S. and the West, that manifests in the increased feeling of isolationism founded on suspicion and hatred of others. Plus, there's the continuing heavy toll of polluted air and water on all beings. But in thinking about the earth and how to be more a part of it, how to protect its very health, it's not only an essential practice to helping our natural world maintain the balance that benefits our lives, but it can be a central practice for our own centering, our own grounding, our own health and growth of our mental stability, the slowing it down, and sinking our body and mind to the earth's rhythm, which is a much slower, steady, and more gentle rhythm than that of the city or the constant chatter of the internet and media. You know, I think many people seek otherworldly images and of refuge in their quest for spirituality, but to me that's sort of escapism, not spirituality, and the actual antithesis of the Buddhist path. To illustrate, I think, this illustrates it, I wrote a blog post a Buddha belongs to the world many years ago. So I'll share it with you now because it speaks to this theme of naturalness. A Buddha belongs to the world inspired by dodging goose poop. My friend Julie posted this blog post recently. Quote, I walk around a pond every day at lunch, weather and workload permitting, and today I noticed how I tend to watch my feet. I look down at the paved walkway instead of at the billowy clouds, the cattails, and willows swaying in the breeze. Presumably, I do this to dodge the abundance of goose poop along the path. I think watching where I'm going has some value. I think it's good to look down every once in a while to make sure I'm not about to step in some. But where I am is quite beautiful, and I shouldn't let the prospect of a little poop on my shoes distract me from all that is praiseworthy about my life as it is in this moment, unquote. When I read Julie's post, I immediately thought of the earth-touching Buddha, or the earth-witness Buddha. The image of that Buddha sitting in meditation with his left hand, palm upright in his lap, and his right hand touching the earth, has always held special meaning for me. Julie, watching where she is walking, dodging goose poop, served as a mini symbolic teaching of that earth-touching Buddha. At once, the image of watching for goose poop and watching where we're going, juxtaposed with looking at the billowy clouds, represented to me the value Buddhism offers as a philosophy of being in the world 
and being in things as they are. According to the story, just before the historical Buddha Siddhartha Gautama realized enlightenment, the the demon Mara, who represents the passions that keep us clinging, craving, and enslaved to suffering, tried to frighten Siddhartha from his very seat on the earth. But Siddhartha did not move, despite Mara's taunts and claims that he should have the seat of enlightenment for himself, because his spiritual accomplishments were greater than Siddhartha's, Siddhartha did not move. Mara's monster army cried that they were Mara's witness of his spiritual priority. So Mara challenged Siddhartha, asking, Well, then who will speak for you? Siddhartha reached out his right hand to touch the earth, and the earth itself rumbled, saying, I bear you witness. With that, Mara disappeared, and the morning star rose in the sky, and Siddhartha Gautama realized enlightenment, becoming the Buddha. You know, what I love about this story, this myth, is that it distinguishes Buddhism from religions we are most familiar with. Founding stories of most religions involve gods and angels from heavenly realms bearing scriptures and prophecies. But Buddha's enlightenment was confirmed by the earth. Compare this connection to the earth with the Abrahamic religions. Jesus, Moses, and Muhammad all claim the authority of the sky god, the god of heaven, or Jehovah. And in classic Greco-Roman literature, the chief of the gods is the sky god Zeus, or Jupiter. And all sky religions are therefore patriarchal and hierarchical. But the Buddha did not ask for help from heavenly beings. He asked the earth, Mother Earth, if you will. You know, the religious historian Karen Armstrong wrote in her book, Buddha, about this very earth witness symbol. She wrote, quote, It not only symbolizes Guatama's rejection of Mara's sterile machismo, but makes a profound point that a Buddha does indeed belong to the world. The Dharma is exacting, but it is not against nature. The man or woman who seeks enlightenment is in tune with the fundamental structure of the universe, unquote. Buddhas and Buddhism belongs to the earth, to the world. It teaches that nothing exists independently. The existence of all things are interdependent. Our existence depends on earth, air, water, and other forms of life, just as our existence depends on and is conditioned by those things. They are also conditioned by our existence. The more we realize that we are part of both goose poop and billowy clouds, the more we will realize our Buddha nature our inherent wisdom, and escape our essential ignorance. Goose poop and billowy clouds are expressions of us, and we are expressions of them. When the earth confirmed the Buddha's enlightenment, the earth was confirming itself. The Buddha was confirming himself and ourselves as part of the Buddha and the earth, as the earth and the Buddha are part of us. 
That blog post verbalizes the sense of refuge I find in Buddhism better than many things I've ever written or spoken about. You know, the word refuge is an important Buddhist concept. As Buddhists, we take refuge when we become Buddhists or are ordained as Buddhists and given a Buddhist name. But in our everyday sort of Buddhist way of looking at things, refuge is none other than our safe spot, our asylum, our place to return to, to be protected and strengthened. For me, that is nature, the earth, the trees. In Buddhist mythology, the earth was the Buddhist Buddha's witness to his own enlightenment. For me, the earth is my witness to my true self, my calm self, my peaceful mind self, my Buddha nature. But this is not to say it is an escape. Refuge is not an escape. It is to see things as they are. In nature, you are likely to step in goose poop or sit on on bird poop. And we are that too which is why our lay minister practicum practice of toilet gasho reminded me again of our oneness, our sameness with all of nature. You know, our practice in that practicum was to create a new habit of flushing away our mental waste products every time we sit on the toilet. Tying this new habit to a already established habit We would flush away our judgments, our criticality, impatience, or other negatives every time we flush. And as we do some honest self-reflection, we would have some negativity arise in our minds that we can then flush away. And then we gasho to the convenience of the toilet, gasho to its flushing, and gasho to our new habit of mental hygiene. You know, there is more to the practice that can be shared at another time, but the connection for me to this theme of the the theme of this talk is why not connect a spiritual practice with an earthly necessity? And why not use our everyday items to review again in our mind that very interdependence we have, our connections to the rest of the planet and all our earthly companions? You know, living in a modern city, we can easily ignore how all our activities actually connect with the earth. When we reflect on all the conveniences and technologies technologies that are a part of our daily life, it's easy to see the interconnections. You know, when you plug in the toaster, ask yourself, where is that energy coming from? When you flush the toilet again, where is the water coming from and where is the waste going to? And where did your morning coffee from and how did it get all the way to your kitchen? That environmentalist slogan, you know, think globally, act locally, is a good practice. In Buddhist philosophy, we think globally by contemplating the interdependence of all things because nothing exists except in relationship with all other things. By acting locally, we are actually living mindfully with a clear understanding of the reality, purposes, and consequences of all our daily actions. So how we can tie this to a One Earth Sangha's Earth Care Week practice is to focus on Mother Earth 
And that is instead of thinking that because, you know, we are not leaders of governments or corporations and therefore have no agency to change the the things in our environment, to change the environmental val- balance, we can individually find ways of caring for the earth by simply being more aware of how we too are connected to the earth and how the earth can be the witness to our caring for the earth. Like the toilet gusho practice, we can have an effect of remembering our oneness with the earth and protecting its systems by simply remembering. We don't need to have some agency regulate our behavior. We only need to have a new mental attitude or remembering and honoring the earth. With that remembering, tiny habits can and may change. And any of our little positive remembrances and the habits that they trigger, the changes could add up. As individuals and as a species, we suffer from a sense of self that feels disconnected, you know, not only from other people, but from the earth itself. As Titnat Han has said, quote, we are here to awaken from the illusion of our separateness, unquote. We need to remember that the earth is our mother. And also the earth is witness to our own great spiritual potential in addition to being our home. I firmly believe that the act of remembering is in itself a very powerful commitment. From there, it can serve to connect us to what is true for each of us, guide our daily actions, and help us form maybe just one new earth-centered sustainable habit that we can take on without regret. May it be so. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I remember a moment in the in the '60s when we were playing a word game, and and uh, we're saying, "How about this word? Do you know Do you know the meaning?" Okay, and sort of asking each other. Okay, and I remember the word ecology. And that was not a very common word, a word that everybody would say, oh, you know, they were not familiar with what that word, with that word, okay? let alone what it meant. Uh, so it's only, it's fairly recent that this whole earth movement, earth day, ecology uh, <clears throat> has become Society has put a spotlight on the importance of it. Okay. Maybe there are a lot of uh, nature type of a situations, of, you know, going for a walk outside and all these things. But it's so important. The kind of lens, the kind of uh, <clears throat> eyeglasses or, you know, that we look out at the world and how our awareness, you know, things are, and then the earth. Once we think about the earth, all kinds of associations can come from that. You know, 
They say a wise man, a wise man walks looking down, okay? not at the clouds <laughs> and his mind, you know, on lofty things. But he's just he's looking down means he's in the moment and he's watching where he's walking, right? He, he, I remember when I was just a a, a child hearing that that quote. And a wise man walks looking down, and the first thing that came to my child's mind was, "Yeah, you you, you never know when you're going to see a a quarter or some kind of coin on the ground, you know." But in a way, that's that's not bad interpretation, you know. To see where you're walking, okay. Uh, not just to avoid stepping in a hole or poop, but to, you might find some treasures, <laughs> you know, not something tangible or material like money or coins, but said, hey, this is the earth I'm walking on. The earth is my foundation, my support, huh? the ground. Yeah. Yeah, if you look where you are, if you look what's going on right in front of you, there's dirt. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.